Hello friends, I'm Carly. I'm Kelsey. Welcome to the Sheatitudes Podcast. out of of ways to greet everybody bonjour 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 everyone if you grew up with mary kate and ashley we need you to tell us what movie that was from (laughs) here's a hint it has paris in the title (laughs) you couldn't tell from the use of french oh my gosh our next door neighbor and i used to act out that scene together all the time all the time all the time and i got to be mary kate and ashley's sister yeah, who's bigger than they are now. Yeah. WandaVision. What's yeah. her name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see? Okay, there was this meme. <laughs> I hope, uh, the people don't care, but there was this meme. <laughs> there was this meme on the socials that was, it, like, uh, you know those 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 absolutely no one, they like the memes yeah. that start with that? It was in that style, so it said, like, me, no. Nope, I'm already getting this wrong. <laughs> It said Elizabeth Olsen. Looks like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen's last name is Olsen. The internet. Elizabeth Olsen is Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen's sister. Then it says me. And it's this like brain exploding gif. <laughs> <laughs> like how, no way. how people couldn't do the math. <laughs> anyway, no one cared about that story. Hi everyone. Hi. Um we are moving into Holy Week this Holy week. This is one of the only times of year that I become liturgical. Mm. <laughs> Bless you. We weren't raised in that. And so it just doesn't, I just don't think about it really otherwise. Yes. Yeah. But during this time of year, it really helps me. Yep. <laughs> I like following the lectionary, so it's pretty, pretty normal for me. But um, anyway, so we are going to be talking about uh, the different days of Holy Week this week. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday, which was actually yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into that. And then on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the rest of this week, we're going to have uh, episodes that go along with each of those days moving into Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. Um we're also going to be posting uh, playlists for each of those days. We'll probably mm-hmm. post like one in bulk at the start of the week and then little reminder ones on uh, each day. So you can have those to to um, aid you throughout the day as you think about the topics of each of the, the days of Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into this discussion, Carly, mm-hmm. did you laugh this week? Did I laugh this week? Oh boy, did I? Tell us. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll say I just laughed so hard watching. Um, if if you guys don't know Fortune Femester, <laughs> you yes. need you need to acquaint yourselves with Fortune Femester. She is so funny, and uh, she just posted a a video of herself dancing in her living room to. Gaslighter by the Chicks, formerly mm-hmm. the Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Actually, I think they posted it. They posted it. They posted it. They called it the official video. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the director's cut yes. of the official Gaslighter video, which yes. premiered a year ago. Yes. Um, and it's just her dancing in her living room, and the, the choices she makes, like, she makes me laugh so hard. Yes. yes. So hard. I don't mm-hmm. know that there are many people on Earth right now who can make me laugh mm-hmm. as much as she can. Mm-hmm. <sighs> she didn't give anything, Carly. No, because all my big laughs were students. That does make or it Or our niece or things like that. So it's not like I can just like say, hey, watch this. Look what I can do. Well, no. did you rest this week? I tried. Bless you. I got to do some introverting yesterday and just hung out at home. Actually, today was very restful because I baked. I haven't done baking in a while. And I'm happy to report our kitchen is clean. (laughs) That's not always the case when this girl bakes. Okay, listen. (laughs) That one time that I baked before, (laughs) the dishwasher was already full. So I was waiting for that to finish. (laughs) I also found today to be quite restful. I took a Sabbath nap. Mm. I just woke up like an hour ago, less than an hour ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm still kind of feeling it, so sorry if I start talking slow. Yeah, yeah I feel very tired. We're a Last little week loopy. was long. Last week was just really long for me. Every week is long. We're in the final push to spring break, and so we're just like dazed and confused over here. We're sorry if we don't make any sense. It's going to be a great holy week. <laughs> um, any unexpected blessings for you this week, Carly? Whew. I didn't even think through this. Yeah, me neither. We were not blessed this week. Moving on. (laughs) Just kidding. No, I think uh, we just had a big breakthrough understanding one of our students. Um, Yes. And, and, I mean, obviously we can't disclose details, but just really encouraging to to know. Hashtag blessed is science. Yes. Just just understanding a person is my favorite thing in the world. That's why I love reading. That's why I love movies and TV shows. Um, I just love getting in people's heads and so um felt like we made some progress this week actually with multiple students felt like we got to make some progress and that was just a huge blessing so yeah I guess I have actually been surprisingly blessed by putting together these holy week podcasts yeah getting to listen to all different kinds of music and try to figure out playlists not podcasts putting together the playlists right yeah sorry that's okay Two syllables, both start with P. You understand. Yes, yes. They have STS at the end. Sure. <sighs> playlists. Putting together the playlists for you all for Holy Week. Um, because I I think it's the Enneagram 7 in me. I cannot make a decision unless I've seen all of the options. <laughs> and so I will like overdo it on listening to every song I can think of that has to do with something before finally deciding. Yeah. And it then starts to stress me out if I feel like I don't have time to listen to everything. <laughs> that's just, that's how I am. It's the same thing where it's like, you know, when I started to realize like, you know, feeling this nudge into doing more teaching on the Bible, mm-hmm. I literally, when I first realized I was having that nudge, my thought was, well, I can't read the whole Bible tonight. <laughs> like, I just always assume that everything has to be urgent. So all that to say, I've been listening to a ton of music to put together playlists. And they are not, it's not necessarily very easy to do it for Holy Week because each day has some major juxtaposition. Yeah. And so finding songs that that don't just, like, you're not going to find songs that cover 
everything from each of these days. Yeah. You're going to find songs that cover bits and pieces, but then looking at the playlist as a whole, um, with some of these seemingly random, like, you know, Maundy Thursday, you go from like a freaking party, mm-hmm. this big Passover feast that they're having to like Jesus sweating blood while yeah. praying later on. So that's yeah. a lot of ground to cover. But listening through all those things has been um, just good for my spirit. Yeah. Uh, in helping me better understand each day and understand uh, Jesus more and myself more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also brought up some different tensions and realizing, like, you know, sometimes you just are wrestling with a subject and then you hear something that, like, answers it for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes then that answer you realize, like, oh, but the reason I was wrestling with that in the first place is because the commonly held assumption is not the answer I'm being given now. And so then it kind of makes things tense, but all of that to say it has, it has quite blessed me. Yeah. Quite, quite. Quite. Uh, are you listening to anything, watching anything, reading anything, Carly, that must be shared? Um, Gonzaga is in the Elite Eight. Hey! So, um, do you have them winning the whole thing on your bracket? I do. I do have them winning the whole thing. I think out of the final eight, I think I have four still on my bracket in it. So and we all know what that means. means. Thank you. We get it. Everyone gets it. Baskets. Yeah. Basketball. Yeah. Sports. I'm... I'm Doing better than some people and worse than thousands of others. <laughs> I would like to call it basketball. Mm. Isn't that cuter? It's fancier. Sure. They would have light-up shoes. Oh, indubitably. Nice. Um, yeah, no, Gonzaga's doing really well. Um, I do have them winning the whole thing. We'll see what happens. Um, They're Catholic, though, right? They're Catholic. So, I mean... And, you know... Oral Roberts is out now. Are they Catholic? No, they're they're like Pentecostal Methodist oh or something. Gosh. Is this like church wars? No, but Pentecostal. They're 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 out now. See, so the Catholics so, are going to win. So they're the God, real church. God favors the Catholics. That's how this reads to me. Martin Luther had it wrong. Oh no, we have a, several hundred years to turn back on now. Man, Martin Luther should not have reformed. Martin, we we are all wrong. We were supposed to stay. Bummer. Because we're not supposed to disagree with the church. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. We (laughs) got to change the subject before Carly sets our couch on fire. Um, I am watching... I I didn't actually finish, though. Well, you were starting to get a little tough over there. Go on, then. (laughs) I have been watching... The bio series, uh, Nat Geo Genius series on the Queen of Soul herself, Mm -hmm. Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. And if you are not familiar with the Nelson sisters, let me just (laughs) say, Aretha is to be praised. May she. We do a lot of praising of Dolly on this podcast, and it, well, deserved. (laughs) Obviously, or we would not say it. Yes. But Aretha... (laughs) Oh, Aretha. When, on the day Aretha died, I was home for the summer. Uh, and so, like, in college. So home for the summer, working uh, in Cannon Beach. And it was my day off, but my dad, was he teaching summer school or something? Probably, yeah. And he came home early, came home, came home early, and uh, saw that my car was there. And I heard him ask my mom, did Kelsey stay home because of Aretha? <laughs> 
Like, I would call in sick for such a thing. And you know what? Mm. I could see myself doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Can we talk about when Whitney Houston died? I was in Germany. Oh, my gosh. That's and I found one. out, but my sisters are messaging me urgently. Carly, did you hear? Did you hear? Well, because... We didn't want you to be alone. <laughs> We love Whitney so much that she's legitimately our Christmas tree topper. <laughs> we have a tree topper of Whitney Houston from um, the, Cinderella. C- the Cinderella movie she did with Brandy in 1998. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so beautiful. Her golden her golden sparkly dress, her hair in that movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, um, back to Aretha. This series is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Cynthia Erivo plays Aretha, and may Cynthia be praised. May. She is so phenomenally good. Yeah. You can't have just anybody sing Aretha and just do their own singing. Yeah. You can't have just anyone do it. Yeah. She's nailing it. And literally at one point she comes in like belting a high G. Mm-hmm. Like she's not even a human. Mm-hmm. It's just phenomenal. Um, it's really sad. Aretha's life was not easy. From the research I've done over the course of my own life on her, this is pretty true to form it's uncomfy Mm -hmm. uh it raises a lot of relevant themes regarding race regarding um promiscuity behind the pulpit Mm -hmm. um what it is for women to have a say in the work they do like a lot of the things that we're talking about right now she lived up close and yeah handled it like a queen so Mm -hmm. Watch Aretha. It's on uh, Hulu. Hulu and I think Disney Plus because they've got the oh, Nat Geo. Interesting. On, right? Don't they? Cool. Anyway, yes. Aretha. Bless. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let us get into, maybe let's do like a, an overview mm-hmm. of Holy Week mm-hmm. um, before we get into um, the specific day of this episode. Um, Carly, you are the one of us who, um, has a degree in this. <laughs> Uh-oh, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. I'm about to get called a heretic. I'm probably not. You know, sometimes you have to risk that. Jesus yeah. was also called a heretic. That's true. That's true. So would he you... He was crucified and as such, which we're going to talk about. <laughs> this is the week to talk about that. <laughs> exactly. Isn't every day the day to talk about that? The day the Lord has made, huh? Carly, yeah. what in the world is Holy Week? Holy Week. So traditionally, this is um, essentially the peak of the Christ narrative. Um, the apex, if you will. That this is the um, looking at scripture in the Gospels. It's not necessarily following a literal timeline of events, right? It's years three years of ministry and types of teaching and things he said compiled very purposefully by these different writers to make the point they're trying to make or to explain in the way they do. Yeah, they have different audiences, each of the gospel writers. Um, Holy Week is different, though, because this is when you actually get into a little more nitty-gritty of timing. Not in all cases... What? I was about to say the nitty-gritty. The nitty-gritty. So uh, the the pace of it is very quick, but it's also very direct and related to um, the time around the Passover. Um, 
Passover being a Jewish a Jewish holiday. Mm-hmm. So um, Jesus from Nazareth, right, um, comes to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, um, and so we historically would know that he would have done that annually, even though it's not necessarily reflected in the gospel texts. Uh-huh. Um, so this is a specific time he came for Passover, and it describes kind of his final week living before his death and resurrection. Um, and so each day of the week is dedicated to a different um, event, I mm-hmm. guess. Although Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday. They, they do um, different, uh, the Catholic Church has different traditions. Well, and as we've established. They're the real church. Right. Anyway, so, uh, the, yeah, there's different practices for each day of Holy Week, um, but traditionally most Protestant ones would generally just, I mean, a lot of Protestants don't even do anything except Easter or maybe Palm Sunday or Good Friday. Well, but, that's why we're doing this. Um, but I have come to just cherish Maundy Thursday and Silent Saturday. Um, I don't know if it's technically called Silent Saturday. We're calling it <laughs> Silent Saturday because that's what it was. And so... Um, yeah, it's just a powerful, um, powerful season that's so confusing. <laughs> it, yeah, there's a whole lot happening all at once. Like, sometimes we're celebrating. Sometimes we're deeply grieving. Sometimes we're thinking, like, God's not real. Yeah. Other times we're like, he's so real, I can just smell it. Yeah. Can you smell God? Cut, take, cut grass has got to be smelling God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Smell and see? Scratch and sniff. Oh. <laughs> I think that's what Jesus meant when he asked Thomas to touch his side. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> he, he, he needed to know fully. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> so let's maybe do like... Um, can you talk through bullet-pointed themes mm-hmm. of the main days. So Palm Sunday, which Palm was yesterday. Sunday, uh, is the day representing Jesus's coming into Jerusalem, this triumphal entry where he comes in riding on a donkey and people are shouting Hosanna and waving branches. And we'll, we'll go more into that, but yep. people are excited because this is the Messiah. Um, but then in the middle of that excitement, we see him start flipping tables in the temple. And there's this also big sense of anger and recognition that, oh, this Messiah is doing something different than we want him to. Yes. And always. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the day that we specifically celebrate his coming. And so, so in Christian traditions, we also anticipate his second coming on Palm Sunday, the day that instead of on a donkey of peace, he comes on a white horse in the end, you know, to rule the world with truth and grace and make the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And wonders of his love? And wonders, wonders, wonders of his love. Nice. Merry Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so then we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're like, obviously things happened, but we're not yeah. focusing on those yeah. days. And, and again, I'm not, I should have looked it up ahead of time, but but I don't know what the Catholic tradition emphasizes through that. They might They might talk about the cleansing of the temple or things that we're going to talk about today. Um, on those days, but I don't know. So then the next big important one is Maundy Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Maundy Thursday. 
come to love it. I, yeah. Same. And I will probably get into this in that actual episode, but I think it's the one we observe the, the least. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is because on all the other days, it's really easy to focus on everything Jesus has done for us. Yeah. Maundy Thursday, he does a lot of things that is are blatantly like, you're supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Or these are the things we've done to him. Yeah. Um, so Maundy, again, we'll talk more in detail. It is the mandate. Um, this is when Jesus says, hey, as I do this for you, you do this for each other. It's the mandate of um, the Last Supper. And so the, the Eucharist, communion, whatever you want to call it. Um, foot washing yeah and um honoring that evening that jesus spent with his disciples before his death um yes but also goes a little into betrayal yeah Um, and he washes the feet of his own betrayer so we'll talk about that thursday yep Uh, and gethsemane is also thursday i believe Mm -hmm. jesus praying in the garden asking god not to go through with what he knew was going to happen Oh, ouch. Um, Friday. Good Friday, Friday. I deeply wish we would swap Black Friday <laughs> and Good Friday's I, names. I have said this my whole life. Black Friday should be when Jesus died. Yes. Because even though we know now that that was good, they didn't know that then. Yes. They thought that they lost. Yes. That's Black Friday and Good Friday, friends. Sales. Shopping sales. I don't understand why this has taken so long for us to switch this. Da-da-da-da-da-da! Charge it! I don't know why we have to explain ourselves on that. Anyway, so on what is traditionally known as Good Friday, but we call Black Friday, (laughs) um, is the day remembering Jesus' death and his sacrifice. Um, And then... Silent Saturday. Silent Saturday, again, not really a widely practiced thing, um, but we have come to understand or to think more about what do you do in the space where everything feels defeated? And God doesn't seem to be saying anything. Yeah. There's no healing. You're just stuck. What do you do? It's important to observe it because I think the fact that, you know, God could have resurrected jesus immediately like it could have been this like oh he's dead and then just pops right back up like just kidding you guys Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. is fine nope waited Mm -hmm. waited we need to observe that space where he did nothing yes yes which then concludes easter morning up from the grave he arose the absolute worst hymn but also so much fun. It's really fun to sing operatically. So we sang it last Easter. Last. L-A-S-S Easter. Last Easter. Last Easter. Yes, because quarantine Easter. We. Oh, yeah, we were just at home. So my old church was singing it. And so I obviously started playing it really loudly. We marched around the living room singing. And my dog joined. It should be noted in the style of like our grandparents' voices. That's how you have to do it. It was very broad. Brassy. <laughs> and then uh, my dog was jumping around thinking we were having a dance party. She also loves the Lord. She she loves a good Easter morn. Easter morning, obviously, we know that that is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, yeah. the the defeat of death. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so we're going to get into all of that stuff. Yeah. And I, I emphasize even now at the beginning of all of this, um, 
not to look too far ahead to not next to, Sunday. To 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 really linger in those spaces where you don't know what's going to happen next. Because the the original they hearers the, the they didn't know. And Jesus foreshadowed but every time it says like but they weren't listening. Yeah, they didn't understand it until after. Yeah, and so we do have the benefit of understanding. We do have the benefit of being able to say like he died, but don't worry, Sunday's coming. Mm-hmm. But I think we are just too eager. I think that we miss a lot of the good work being done mm-hmm. when we get too eager for Sunday. As is, you know, proven by the fact that God didn't just immediately resurrect Jesus. Yeah. There is intention in like the intentionally um made decisions that forced us to wait yeah and so and so i think just for a personal application like to be able to linger with the disciples and their uncertainty that will teach us in our own uncertainties and our own journeys like oh it's okay if we don't see god showing up right now right it's okay if God maybe did the complete opposite of what I expect him to well, it reminds, and then disappears. It reminds me of our conversation uh, when we were doing our 4K Friday on the Shattered Dreams yeah. book by Larry Crabb. When yeah. You don't sanitize the story. You yeah. don't have to go through a hard time and then tack on, but I know God's doing something good. Yeah, yeah. We can just know it Yeah. without having to, like, you know, just force something. Well, yeah, bounce so quickly out of a space that were intentionally being put in to wait. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I feel too. like there's just, there's so much ground to cover. We'll never get to everything we want to talk about. But oh, for sure. I still am sure. excited. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Tell us, what are, what's the order of events? Well, uh, depends which gospel you're reading. <laughs> um, We're going to start with the triumphal entry. I think that that's yeah. the same regarding... Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. At least in, in the uh, um, synoptic gospels, <laughs> Matthew, Mark, and Luke. <laughs> Why are those same. called synoptic gospels, Carly? Um, oh, gosh. So... Because they didn't like John. <laughs> no, just just their um, structure and source material follows similar patterns um, and intents. Uh, John wrote using and referencing these other writings, but um, but his intention was very different, and so he was much more. I almost want to say poetic and literary yes very form whereas luke is probably the most um meticulous Uh um in his research matthew is the most um explanatory of jewish tradition yeah mark is the most direct Uh um because in theory it was just like based on Peter's preaching, someone just copying down him speaking. This is what happened. We, it's a, that is a theory. Yes, a theory. So, um, anyway, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke narratives are much more, um, cohesive. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) side note, some people get really uncomfortable or start thinking that Christianity is invalid because these gospels have different words. Or this one says this, and this one says this, and like, well, they had different audiences. You explain yes. things differently to different people. Mm-hmm. You explain things differently based on people's understandings and interests. But also, 
if like as a teacher, if I have students, like if someone's getting in trouble and five kids are all giving their side of the story and it all sounds the exact same, that's fishy. Yeah, that is fish way fishier than if their stories mostly line up because people have different lenses. Yes. If everything goes exactly the same, there was some something was in cahoots and they're like, hey, we're gonna say this, and we're gonna say this. And then they're just trying to persuade you of something. Yep. And that's usually when there's a lie. Yes. And even just in the legal system, like if if yes. witnesses have two similar <laughs> um, of stories, yeah, someone's lying. So so I think it's very reassuring that there's differences. Um, I think it's um, very reassuring how similar they are and and just how much source material we have, how many ancient documents where we have so many copies of these texts that we don't even have that many of Aristotle and we don't question if something's from Aristotle, you know, right. just that. So that's a whole separate issue and there are way smarter people that could talk about it, but um just kind of a note on synoptic gospels. Yeah. Um, that they are um, very similar, have a lot of differences, but ultimately the, their message is being cohesive. Yeah. Um, but for the purpose of this particular discussion, we're going to be following through the order seen in Matthew, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. So um, in the book of Matthew, chapter 21 is where the triumphal entry begins um and so this is an event in which jesus fulfills some old testament prophecy that um matthew references um in the book of isaiah and zechariah um it talks about um a king coming to you um humble on a donkey on the colt of a donkey a foal um a full of an ass is what this translation says. Yes. LOL. I love when we can say ass in church. Christmas time only. But, or reading for this. For this purpose. For this purpose. It's so my question on that, just really quickly. So Jesus riding the donkey into Jerusalem is a fulfillment of this prophecy. Mm-hmm. Was it not fulfilled when Mary rode a donkey to Bethlehem? Does it say she rode a donkey? The hymns do. I don't know if the text does. Okay. I think that's just implied as a means of transportation. Okay. For We've taken a lot of liberties with the whole nativity story, and so yes. that wouldn't yes. surprise me. But yeah. anyway. Anyway, so um, it's interesting that he uh, goes into the city riding on this donkey um, instead of it being a horse. So the, the symbol of... A king riding into a city on a horse is this big triumph, right? Um, that I am now here. We've just won this battle. Um, dun da da da. That's right, Prince Ali. Um, so Jesus instead is riding on a foal of a donkey, right? Lowly. So lowly and um, a symbol of peace. Um, that. Although it is this triumphant moment of claiming kingship in many ways, it is also very different than the traditional imagery. Um, Which is what the Jews were expecting. Yes. They expected the Messiah to be a warrior. Yes. That's it. I mean, obviously, it was prophesied of 
the foal of a donkey, right? So, yeah. so they were looking for a Messiah to ride on a donkey, um, but that's still the Messiah who's going to overthrow political rulers right. and, they and wanted, be this... They wanted him to come in and overthrow Rome. Yes. They wanted a different political outcome. Yes. If you're at all familiar with, like, the story of Hanukkah and the Maccabees, um, years and years and years before Jesus, zealots, Jewish zealots, were frequently rising up against Rome and Greece. Aggressively, violently. And uh, they, too, would... um, Symbolically, they were they were called messiahs, if you will, that they were saving the people. Uh-huh. And in um, after a specific revolt, they the people would wave palm branches as a symbol of victory, um, and they'd shout Hosanna, like save us, uh-huh. or God, you saved. Um, and so here, Jesus does the same thing that we've seen done in other contexts riding in victoriously and people waving their branches. They're laying down their cloaks on the road. Um, for their victor. For their victor. Um, and it's still just so fascinating with this, um, with him on a donkey instead of this horse. But but everyone knows, like, this is the guy, right? <laughs> like, it's very exciting, this big um, moment where they're just shouting, Hosanna, um, and, and, and Hosanna, I, I think it's in a Timothy Keller book. I can't remember the title, um, but we can put it in the show notes. Um, it's like this combination of like saying God saves and it's also like God save us, please. Like this, this crying out for help. It's almost this like ongoing cry that kind of covers all times and tenses it's you know save us but also you are saving and you have saved and but it it is a it's a cry and a plea and a statement and yeah, yeah yeah um so the people are thrilled um i'm actually i know we i just said we were doing the matthew version but um in luke 19 uh, this version of it, the next thing that happens in the story is uh, the Pharisees get mad. So the Pharisees are kind of the people who... Um, they're the high religious leaders. Yes. And so they're like, what is going on with these people? And so they're kind of critical of Jesus because Jesus is critical of them. <laughs> and so they're very uncomfortable by a lot of his teachings, um, even though, theologically speaking, Jesus was a Pharisee. Yeah, and that's a hard sentence, I think, for a lot of people to hear today because we have so come to equate Pharisee almost with, like, sinner. Mm-hmm. That if you call yourself religious, but, like, you don't do anything to prove it, then you're a Pharisee. Yeah. When really the Pharisees were... They were learned people within their churches who mm-hmm. were trying to do things the way their church did them. Yes. They were kind the of all of God us. God wants to, you know. Right. They were following the law to its highest order. Yes. So they weren't really doing anything differently than I think we still strive to do. Yes. Perhaps sometimes too much. Yes. Just like they did. Yes. And so he criticized them a lot for that, that they were putting unfair burdens on people. Yeah. Um, and, and just that little yeast... Uh-huh. spreads into the loaf, right? This this small toxic teaching can ruin just infiltrate the whole system. Yeah. And so um 
So the Pharisees are really uncomfortable by Jesus coming in in this way. And in Luke 19, this is when the Pharisees like come to Jesus and they're like, tell them to stop. Tell them to knock this off. And Jesus says, I tell you, if they're silent, the stones will cry out. That's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of says two different things to me. Also, very sorry right now, you guys, if you can hear the hail <laughs> that is falling on our house. Yes. It's cozy when uh, when we're not thinking about, you know, what the sound is doing. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to edit some of it out. But yeah, it's, you're definitely going to hear some. <laughs> um, but this idea of Jesus telling them, you know, the Pharisees are upset that everybody's making so much noise. And Jesus... Mm-hmm. If they didn't cry out, the stones would. And that says to me, first of all, that it reminds me of how very not needed we are. Yeah. Yeah. That if we don't do it, mm-hmm. nature will. Creation yeah. sings the glory. That is mm-hmm. all throughout scripture. And this idea of death becoming life, that's everywhere in creation. Mm-hmm. So it just shows that like, God has called us to tell these stories because he wants us, not because he needs us. Mm-hmm. But it also tells me it's this tongue-in-cheek thing that Jesus does a lot. But this, yeah. like, but they're rocks. Why would you let them do your job? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can do better than a rock. Yeah. Stand up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the Luke passage continues where Jesus is in the city or drawing near, and he weeps. He weeps over this city. So this triumphant king, right? They're celebrating. Yes, awesome. And Jesus is like, nope. Y'all are about to be destroyed. He's essentially prophesying and weeping over the fall of Jerusalem that will come yeah. after he ascends. Uh-huh. Several, uh, what, 70 Eighty seventy was when that happens, I believe. Um, With Daya, oh my gosh, what was that emperor's name? Anyway, yes. So he looks over the city and he's just like, the day is coming. You're going to be destroyed. Not a stone is going to, here I am looking at this magnificence and it is all going to be destroyed. Uh If you only knew. Yeah. And here they are thinking their victory is here. And so nothing like, bad could happen to their city, their nation, their yeah. tribe. Yeah. Because they have their Messiah. And he looks and he's like, that's not what I'm here to do. And that sucks. We still get stuck in that. Yes. We still do. Yeah. We, I think, especially in the West, even those of us who are believers, it, it, we're always moving in and out of intimacy with God. That is yeah. normal because that's normal. That's just human relationships. And I don't know if it's design or if it's fall. But we move in and out. It goes through seasons. Yeah. But I find that one major pattern we have is that we tend to want to know what God thinks more or read our Bible more or go to church more when we don't like who the president is. Yep. Yep. Or when we're worried about something political. That's when we start to think, well, what does God really want? Well, it's the end times Still getting caught up in... A political savior. Yeah. Someone coming in to wipe out Rome. Yeah. Or whatever we think Rome is. Yeah. And that's not his goal. Yeah. They're separate things. Yeah. So to kind of continue in this bizarre Jesus leading 
and ruling in a way that we weren't expecting, <laughs> um, following this triumphal entry. And again, because of the Gospels were not written to just be a literal timeline of events, this in John's Gospel, it's written way earlier. Um, mm-hmm. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's on, it's after the triumphal entries. For some, it's like, it could be a day later, but in this time of preparation towards the cross, Jesus shows up at the temple and flips those tables and starts throwing throwing a fit well, explain, for justice. Explain, <laughs> yeah, explain what he saw when he yes. was there. So um, he comes in, and in the outer courts of the temple, there's all these people who are money-changing changing and um, selling. And part of it was a practical thing because if people are traveling, bleh, if people are traveling to make a sacrifice for Passover, mm-hmm. um, if they're coming a long distance, it's difficult to bring along your sacrifice, right? And so they could, people were selling different things that you could then just go sacrifice, right? Like there's a practical side. However, the location that these money changers were at was interfering with the space that te- that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, were able to enter. Into the city or into the temple? Into the temple. Here's my question. Uh-huh. Why would Gentiles go into the temple? Jesus says in this passage, like, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Okay. All right. I think that there were many God-fearers who were not Jewish. I, yes, I don't disagree. Well, we even see that in the Old Testament. And, and yeah, like the, the Jews were supposed to be welcoming people in. Mm-hmm. And the one space that they were allowed was being overtaken for the sake of money. And Jesus is like, nope. That's not my priority. <laughs> that is not what you're supposed to be. Your job is to make sure people can come and worship and draw near to the presence of God. Yeah. And what are you doing? Making it a money-making opportunity. Like, and, and you're driving them out. Yeah. And so, um, so he's like, yeah, my house shall be called a place of prayer. You make it a den of robbers. Again, referencing Old Testament passages, Mm -hmm. um, testifying as to what his role is, that he is coming to purify what's been done wrong in Israel, done wrong by the religious people. Well, and if I even think back to, you know, the the Deutero-Levitical Mosaic laws given early in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. and... Often we go back and we kind of want to like crap on the law, even though Jesus says he didn't come to do away with it. But like yeah. we want to we, we want to speak ill of it or we want to pick and choose parts of it to disprove other people who pick and choose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we always want to be like, well, the law said this. So why do we listen to any of it or just whatever? Yeah. But when we're talking about the heart of the law versus the letter of the law, this idea that Israel is supposed to be a a tribe at that time mm-hmm. that was meant to be inclusive yeah there was protection set up for the foreigner they were supposed to take care of the foreigner which in this age now mm-hmm. at the temple would be the gentile yeah 
um, if the temple is a place that anybody's supposed to be able to walk it, like they should have known. Yeah. Whether they're going for the heart of the law or the literal letter of it, that's not one that's easily missed. Yeah. You take care of the people who aren't like you. Yeah. You let them walk in. Yeah. Um, but it's very different since they are a people who are not the majority ruling side anymore. Uh, yeah. The Gentile are the bad ones. Because they're the majority. Because they're the ones overruling us. So this is just our safe place. And we get to worship as we choose for ourselves. That sounds familiar. And they don't want to let in anyone different. It does. Because, kind of, because it is their, their place, right? It makes sense. It does make sense. And I, I think that we see that even now we're like, even if it's someone who has previously like not persecuted us, but someone who has spoken ill of the church mm-hmm. suddenly shows up in church. Mm-hmm. I don't find that we get super excited to go talk to that person. We're either a little afraid, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or turned off or there's this thing like, well, why are they even here? Mm-hmm. But it's that attitude where it's like, that is not taking care of the foreigner. Yes. That is not letting in the Gentile. Yeah. That's not a church that, yeah. Was for all people. Yeah. When when we are so busy claiming victimhood in that way. Yeah. We're not wanting to empower anyone else. And, and I think that's human nature. Yeah. I think it's and very much human nature to be human like, nature. I want to feel strong and I don't want to empower people who could be stronger than me. Yeah. But that's not God's nature. Right. And that's the nature he wants to subvert, right? Like in us that it's like, no. You humble yourself. And so that's why Jesus flipped tables. Like, enough is enough. Then in this Matthew passage, again, the Pharisees criticize. And Jesus responds, haven't you heard out of the mouths of babes will come forth my praise? Um, Just kind of that symbol again of... You've made this too hard. (laughs) That, I mean, let the children come, but not even that. That, like, the... You've made it all about being an expert and doing so many wonderful things, but it is the weak and the small that are going to inherit. So I want to take a little bit of time to ponder this whole picture of the table flipping, because I think that more than any other picture of Jesus in the last year, Mm -hmm. Uh, that has been the one I have seen referenced the most. Mm-hmm. Um, not by... It's been mostly on one side of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, where when it comes to all the political heat, a lot of people are taking this picture of Jesus flipping over tables and letting the church know what it's doing wrong as... Him setting an example for what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I agree that Jesus, like, we're supposed to be trained to emulate the way he lived. Yeah. Right? We're so, or not just by performing, but yeah. by, like, em, like letting him, by letting the spirit lead yeah. and shape and form. And, right. But where is the line for us? Like, are we supposed to be the table flippers? Mm-hmm. Um. Because ultimately, Jesus is flipping tables on people, and he's, you know, he's upset, but he still sacrificed himself for those people he flipped a table on top of. And I don't think that that is, 
that's not the posture we take. Yeah. At least not the ones I'm seeing often talk about Jesus flipping tables. They're using it, I think, as a justification for just getting pissed and writing off the church. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking into the heart and being like, what was he really, the point he was trying to make? Yeah. And then how can we best make that point? Yes. And I don't want this to now be an excuse for people who don't like the table flippers of this day and age. Right. And want to be like, yeah, ha ha, see, you're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, I think that that attitude is exactly what Jesus was flipping the table on. Yes. Is that kind of pride of like, you can't tell me. I think that there's this like this bad tension right now of people who want to be mad at anyone who wants to try and flip a table on the church. Who probably need a table flipped on them. Mm -hmm. But then the people who would love to flip that table, but it's also because of a nasty pride in their own heart. Yes. So how do we find a, uh, where is the healthy posture of table flipping? Because you know, I would 100% be a table flipper if I felt I could be. Yeah. Um, I need to reread it before I make this point too strongly um but i read a book called unoffendable um i can't particularly remember the author right now we'll look it up and put it in the show notes and in it the author makes the point that we're not jesus we are not omniscient omnipresent we are so skewed in our thinking We cannot possibly have the fullness of awareness of every side of an issue, of every side of a person's heart, for us to truly be justified in our anger responses. Right. Right. Anger matters, but it matters in as much as it brings us to our knees to come to God who is... The one who fights for you. Yeah, I think... Who is the one who stands for justice. And anger, I mean, letting yourself express your anger shows the things you're passionate about. It can also reveal the things that you're holding as an idol. Yes. There's positive to anger. Yes, yes. But we, I don't think that we're ever supposed to be the executors. Mm, I think sometimes we can be the executors of our anger if we have come to a place where it's healthy. Yes. But I don't think we're supposed to be executors of anything within our anger. Yes, um... Exactly that. I, I mean, it's similar to uh, the Martin Luther King quote, right? Like, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Right. And so sometimes I think even when we're feeling justified, because listen, there are times when I feel totally justified in being pissed at church culture mm-hmm. for how it alienates people. Yes. And that is, I think, justifiable anger. Yes. Because that's what is happening here. If you're not going to let people in, mm-hmm. Jesus gets mad. Yes. The difference is I, in that moment, am not willing to be crucified for those people. Yes. I'm not. And so I have to find a way of surrendering my anger to God and being like, show me what to do with this. Sometimes it's I have to fully be stepping back and it's that Exodus um, idea of the Lord will fight for you and all you have to do is be silent. Mm -hmm. Other times he does ask you to step up and speak, but he's not going to, I really do not believe he's ever going to ask you to step up and speak while you're fuming. Yes. Because you'll make it worse. Yes. And uh, we underestimate how powerful prayer actually is as a weapon. 
You know, like, like the most thing you can do. The, 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 no, keep that. The most thing. The most thing. The prayer is the, literally the least you can do, and it is also the most you can do. I always like to say it's the it's the very best way to meddle in someone else's life. But honestly, <laughs> like, you know, and, and so when you're angry, like, use that to come to God. Yeah. And in that, see what can come forth. Because that is actually fruitful. Yeah. Right? Um, we just lashing out in any of our emotions is human. But recognizing the emotion and bringing it to God is righteous is righteous. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, again, this book unoffendable just really combats the point of view that tries to justify righteous anger because there are none who are righteous, but Jesus. Right. And so, Yes. Your anger, your anger might be righteous. Yes. But you probably are not righteous within your anger. Yes. So pursue the Holy Spirit, seek that righteousness, seek that change within you before lashing out. Yeah. And in fact, don't lash out. Jesus is different. (laughs) Jesus gets to do whatever Jesus wants because Jesus is God. Jesus gets to do whatever God wants him to yes. do. Yes. Which we will we will see that on Monday Thursday. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes. Oh man, things to come. Yeah. So um we don't often talk about this passage, but I do want to jump into it before we wrap up today. Is this the fig tree? The fig tree. This one makes me laugh when I read it on the surface. Carly told me things about this passage that I never knew before and I'm so excited because I always just thought this passage was a hangry Jesus. <laughs> A little bit, though. So, uh, Mark has this spaced around the cleansing of the temple, which is very interesting. Um, Matthew is just um, after it. So, um, he is returning to the city because still around the festival in the morning, and he goes to this fig tree, and there's nothing on it. And because he's hungry he's hungry and there's nothing on the tree wouldn't you be mad i would be mad and jesus says he curses the tree that right that's exactly what i would do no fruit is ever gonna come from you again (laughs) drama queen hey girl hey if you ain't gonna feed me you never you never feed me ever like i see a closed restaurant well i hope you never open again like (laughs) just okay but actually I'm never coming back here. Okay, quick pin in that. Okay, have you noticed that if we go to an establishment that's just like a one location establishment and they mess up our order one time, we're going to boycott it. We're going to tell our friends we had a bad experience. But if like Burger King messes up your order one time, you're still going back. (laughs) They could mess it up every time and you'd still go back. Why are we that way? (laughs) Because of our expectations. Well, Jesus likes to flip those. And he has high expectations for his creations. <laughs> and he doesn't let anyone in who doesn't meet them. And when you... So that, don't... That's a, that's a lie. That's a lie, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus sees a tree. It's supposed to be in season. It's supposed to be ready. And it's not. And so Jesus is like, fine. Go your own way. Oh. And this 
is a criticism of the, well, the Pharisees, but Israel at the time. These people who are about to question him, kill him. He's looking at them saying, you've been looking for a Messiah and the time is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. Where are you at? Why aren't you doing something? You're not ready. Yeah. So, bye. Oh, Ugh. you know how sometimes like Jesus is, he's so good and his arms are so wide and we get ourselves into this place of being like, I can't do anything wrong because Jesus loves me. And then passages like that come in and you're like, well, F. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do for him to love me more, but there does come a point where if I do nothing, ugh. So the, the encouragement at the end of this fig tree story is this teaching about the power of prayer and a reminder of the importance of forgiveness. Even in the midst of this kind of traumatic event and Jesus, like all this drama. Did anyone see him do it? Yeah, the disciples were there. They watched him just like kick it and curse it. Did he kick they it? They watched him curse it and then they come back and they're like, see, look, it, it withered, master. And Jesus is like, you're surprised? I told it to. He's like, and that's what he said. This is when he's like, if you say to the mountain, get up and go into the sea and you have faith, it'll do it. Okay, now. That's a whole different topic, but... but okay. <laughs> and can I go there just briefly? Because sure. you know 100% that I was that child who tried walking on water on mm-hmm. the creek below our house. Listen, I tried it on the Sea of Galilee, which is way more holy, and it still didn't work. And I <laughs> shamed myself because I was like, well, then I don't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. I sometimes don't like how we teach these passages because yes. I think that it... it, it tells people like if you're not seeing mountains moved that is your fault Mm -hmm. well sometimes god doesn't want that mountain moved and you have to reprioritize yes yes or i've heard people say like you want a mountain moved and you pray for it maybe god gives you a shovel (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know an excavator and so i i don't want to say that power that prayer isn't that powerful but but also like the answer can look different. And also pursue it in wisdom. The point of prayer isn't just to get something, right. but to be so united with the purposes of God that you will pray for what he wants done and it will happen. Well, and that that's looking forward to the rest of the week. Yeah. So I think that this is an example of seeing Jesus's power and authority over all things in any miraculous situation. Um, and a warning in many ways that, well, I think so. Like when I hear this, you're not ready. Yeah. It's not him saying like, then I want nothing to do with you, but it is this, like, I can't use you. Yeah. And it's not just God's job to just, It's not just God's job to make us ready for all of the things. We talk like that. Like, 
whatever God calls you to do, he will empower you to do. Right. Well, yeah, but you have to be open to whatever needs to change in you to be empowered. Mm -hmm. Like it sometimes comes across like we think like because we have the Holy Spirit as believers or whatever that even means, Mm -hmm. because we have the Holy Spirit, then just like whatever we feel we need to do, like we can just do it Mm -hmm. because God has empowered us. No, I think sometimes like his, his method of empowering us to do his will requires a lot of change in us. Yes. Yes. And quite frankly, maybe the fig tree of our souls has to die in order to regrow into the thing he needs it to be. That's 100% the parable of like the vine and the branches, right? Like, and the gardener has to prune things. Yeah. And things have to be cast into the fire. Um, so allow those things to happen. And that's why I like, you know, in Mark, actually in Matthew 2 as well, um, that as he talks about prayer, he also talks about forgiveness. That part of your growth and fruitfulness is dependent on you letting go of your anger and hatred for the other. Mm. And therefore, as you forgive, God will forgive you. That's interesting that, you know, when he first comes to the fig tree, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I hear you saying is that when he first comes to the fig tree, his curse is symbolic of this Pharisaic belief. Like they are the one, they're not ready. They're not ready. So what am I supposed to do with you? But then by the time it is this dead fig tree, the audience is now the people who have been walking with him this whole time. Mm. and is essentially saying like here's how you become ready Mm. it's almost like it has this this two-sided like we want to we want to pin it we want to pin everything on just the pharisees right on he cursed it because they weren't ready and pharisees are always bad and people who don't understand what god is saying like they just don't get it they are proud they are whatever but even the ones who are walking intimately with him had to get a lesson yes yeah even they had to learn this, this, they needed to see him do that. They needed to hear what he had to say about it. Mm-hmm. They weren't really ready either. Yes. Oh, and we'll see that on Friday. <laughs> but I just want us to sit with that. Like, I need to sit with that. How often I can feel like because I spend so much time, not necessarily in study, but so many of my thoughts are geared into trying to cultivate knowledge and understanding and intimacy with God that even I have things I need to change. Even I have things I need to learn. Mm -hmm. Even I am not always ready. Mm -hmm. I can be called to something and yes, empowered for it, but that does not mean I am now empowered for everything God ever calls me to. There's always things down the road that we need to be changed for. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess kind of wrapping up Palm Sunday, it is a day in which we see Jesus's authority. And where he truly means for it to be. Yes. We see the places that we can misplace our assumptions of his authority. Mm -hmm. And trains us in some ways of how to look for where he will really be. Mm Mm-hmm. The next few days of Holy Week are, you know, if you keep reading in these passages, his authority is going to be questioned constantly. 
Why do you say this? By whose authority do you do this? Um, and Jesus is going to have some words and, and confrontations. And, and that's ultimately leading up to the tension and the trials and the crucifixion. So um, join us. Join us. Rest in these days. Meditate on the different things that are happening on the days. Yeah. Don't get too stoked yet about Sunday. Yeah. Let yourself figure out what the lesson is for today. Mm-hmm. And wrestle with these weird passages. Yeah. Like, it, it gets harder and harder, some of his stuff in this time. Um, Let yourself but but I'll out. honestly say, I may have learned a bunch of Bible stories about Jesus as a kid because we like the fun parables about growing and miracles. Let's get into some difficult stuff. These hard teachings. Those the, are. Why did he curse this tree? What what does he say about taxes? Those are the things that are going to make us ready. And and it has completely changed my faith looking at these sorts of things that he's taught.